Welcome back to the show. Well, earlier today, uh, Bowen Ma, the Minister of Emergency Management and Climate Readiness, uh, updated British Columbians on the drought conditions in BC. Now, drought levels in some parts of the province have been elevated to the most severe. Now, in this province, uh, the drought scale goes from zero to five, with five being the worst. So four water basins out of 34 in our province are at a level five. 18 water basins are at a level four. So right now, two-thirds of our water basins are at level four or, or, or uh, level five. Now, we are expecting, according to Richard Zussman from Global BC, uh, the water conservation measures will probably be announced uh, in the weeks ahead for our province. Now, it's not nothing new here in Metro Vancouver. Now, people with lawns uh, can only water them once a week between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. We've had annual restrictions uh, here in the Lower Mainland since 1993 when um, the then, I guess not Metro Vancouver Board, but GVRD uh, introduced a 10-week lawn sprinkling ban and that was put in place, like I said, in 1993. And every year it has been announced on and on and on. This year it's actually only once a week. Well, our next guest says that Vancouver needs more than conservation measures to solve its future water needs. Uh, Despite our continued population growth and climate change, Metro Vancouver's water district has taken only baby steps towards expanding its storage and supply capacity. Downing Man to talk a little bit about conservation in Metro Vancouver is Daphne Brown, columnist for the Vancouver Sun. Daphne, thank you for joining us today. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, before we get to the issue of reservoirs here in Metro Vancouver, let's talk a little bit about the news of the day, and that's, of course, uh, Bowen Ma, the Minister of Emergency Management and Climate Readiness, uh, telling British Columbians today that four out of 34 water basins are at a level five, the worst level uh, they can be at, and 18 uh, water basins in this province are at a level four. Uh, what's that tell you? Well, it tells me that um, anyone who thinks that climate change isn't happening um, better give their head a shake. I mean, this is the, the, the drought that's going on in British Columbia mirrors what's happening in the rest of the world. I mean, certainly if you look at um, what has happened in California and the, and the southern United States, that's been a problem. Uh, some people were, were, of course, after California did get a, a two wet years, and so their reservoirs came back up again. But what we're talking about is is that this may not be, you know, the, this may not be the end of times because the, this year these water basins happen to be at these drought levels, but it does suggest that um, we need to get used to the idea that these drought levels are going to be something that's happening more and more and more often. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go, let's talk a little bit about uh, the situation closer to home, which of course here is Metro Vancouver. I recall you uh, wrote a column uh, in late April talking about uh, continued population growth and uh, the conservation um, measures announced by Metro Vancouver um, broadly. What are the challenges here in the Lower Mainland when it comes to water conservation? Well, we do have a bit of a drought problem too. So um, the glaciers are melting. Um, The last glacier in the region is going to be gone by 2043. Um, So... We are going to have less of that kind of water to rely on. We know that um, the winters, we, we are getting atmospheric rivers, which floods us, um, but, but we're not, the consistency of rainfall is not like it used to be. And at the same time that the consistency of rainfall is not what it used to be, um, we have not expanded our reservoirs to contain that uh, water for when we need it in the summertime. We haven't expanded those reservoirs in a very long time. 
even though we keep adding more and more and more and more people. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we made the big decision? I know cost obviously is going to be one of the big impediments, but these are just the basics of infrastructure. You have to continue to expand and build. What has been the hesitation? Well, one of the hesitations is that that, um, North Americans, Canadians, key among them, we're the biggest water users in the world. And so they put a heavy focus on conserving water, um, I think it's we, we each of us consume something like 44 liters a day. I think that's what the number is. And um, so what they've what they've tried to do is convince us not to take sh- such long showers. And they've tried to convince us that that the water that that is in the reservoirs that then goes through the treatment plant that we should quit using that to hose down driveways, to do window washing and you know power washing buildings and power washing concrete and and. Um, and so that has worked, and, and it worked really well in the beginning because um, a lot of people didn't have low-flow toilets and that sort of thing. But we're getting really close to the point where we've kind of conserved almost as much as we can, given the water restrictions that are on right now in terms of watering lawns. So we're getting really close to the point where I'm not quite sure that we're going to be able to continue conserving. Um, the, the water usage is only dropping now by about 2%. In the beginning, it dropped by something like 20% in the first couple of years. Prior to the news break, uh, Daphne, uh, we had talked about uh, um, usage of water here uh, in our city. Now, even though per capita usage uh, continued to drop, even in 2022, that rate has slowed to 2% from 20% less than a decade earlier when people were only uh, starting to install low-flow toilets and um, water-saving shower heads. Moving forward, though, is there any conversation in regards to actually spending the dollars uh, to expand the reservoir? Oh, yeah, it's on the books. I mean, we, they are supposed to be expanding the reservoir in Coquitlam, but they keep pushing it backwards. It keeps going further and further back in time. And um, it's not really clear why it's been delayed. Um, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to, I think, almost to be starting, um, at least in the design work, it was supposed to by now, but it's been pushed back. And at this point... Um, it hasn't even gone to the design phase yet. And, and what's, what's it's the... not clear why that is. Um, they, there is this heavy reliance on conservation. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you're a cynic, um, I think it's fair to say that the people that run Metro, which is, you know, individual, these, these councillors and mayors from all of the little, from the little municipalities as well as the big ones, um, what they're concerned about is the cost and right now we have this horrific cost um, associated with the wastewater treatment plant in North Vancouver, hmm. and that is so. I mean, that that's I, I don't. It's at least doubled in price, and it's been you know been the subject of heavy litigation. And I think there um, there is some concern that that the the taxpayers, the ratepayers in Metro Vancouver, will simply revolt if they add too much more on in terms of um, cost. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to me that uh, so they're still pushing a conservation issue, which is we used to be able to uh, at least to water our lawns twice a week uh, for brief periods of time. Now we're down to 
uh, t- to once a week. Um, is this going to require, a, I guess, the provincial government stepping in in the sense of just providing some dollars to to get this done? Because every year we wait, it's it's that much longer to, to fully plan it out, a business plan that's needed, and the construction phase that's needed. It's not something that can be built right away and quickly. Um, is this going to require a senior level of government getting involved? Um, I think it requires, I think it does require that. Um, th- these are very heavy costs. And... Um, but, you know, these are heavy costs that are balanced for, for senior levels of government against health care. And um, arguably, health care is reliant on having a good source of drinking water, as we've seen in innumerable First Nations, where they have no potable water. But I think in Metro Vancouver, it's, it's more complicated than simply um, increasing the reservoirs so that we can continue um, watering lawns with chlorine-treated water. I mean, what... What they're also talking about is, is having an alternate water supply so that there would be a, a supply of what they, I think they call it gray water. So this would be rainwater that runs off, and it's stored in a separate place so that when you wanted to uh, water your lawn, you would be watering it with, with rainwater, perhaps. And, it, and it, you know, sort of conserving some of that water separate from what's, what's in the water reservoirs that's going to go through the, the water treatment plant so that you can drink it when it comes out. And, I mean, this is quite common there. I mean, there, there, uh, there are some places where they, they simply, you know, hand people water. Like, if you want a water barrel, a rainwater barrel, you can go to your municipality and they'll give you one. So there are some of those things that I think we need to be thinking about as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, um, there are some, other, there's some other issues about what we can do to cool, the, for cooling and so on. I mean, uh, um, we could we could be doing other things for cooling. We're we're in some places they have um, rooftop gardens which are which are good for um, also cooling the city and and but of course you have to water those as well. But again, if we can find these alternate water sources that are perhaps not the highly treated stuff that costs so much money, mm-hmm. I think that that's that's a solution as well. But you know we were just talking about uh, this issue today uh, in our newsroom here and. You know, we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, shorter showers, and some people like taking longer showers. Uh, do you think we have within this developed nation, a first world nation, whatever we used to call it, do you think it's within us to, to conserve as much as that is needed? I and mean, we still, even with conservation, probably consume more per capita than anywhere else in the world. Um, do you think we can conserve more as, as individuals, or do you think there's a, actually a limit here? It seems like based on what we're seeing in re- returns of 2%, you were saying, we've gone as far as we possibly can. Somewhere along the way, I'm not sure people are willing to take shorter showers or perhaps uh, not have the water run when they're washing dishes, all those types of things. Well, I think I do think there's always, we can always do little bits more, right? I, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, I used to let the water run when I brushed my teeth. Well, I haven't done that for years, right? Mm-hmm. But the, pro- the other problem is, is that our population by 2050 will have grown from 2.5 million to 3.5 million. Mm-hmm. And so you and I can take shorter showers, but what about those other million people that are coming? Right? Yeah. Are they going to, what, they don't get to have a shower? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, kind of, we're kind of getting to that point, right? And, and so as, as in Vancouver alone, I mean, just think about... So Sanok is, they're talking about 6,000 homes, so let's say roughly 12,000 people. Um, Jericho is 
going to be roughly the same. Um, and we've got Oak Ridge coming on. I mean, that's just Vancouver. Yeah. And yet we talk about we talk about having to build all this housing, and yet nobody's linking up all this housing we're supposed to be building. Nobody's saying, okay, if we're going to build all this housing, then let's also like where where are the development fees or where is the money where is the money coming from to have this really key infrastructure? I mean, we always talk about we talk about these other sort of things like oh, we need parks and we mm-hmm. need. But we also need water, and we just don't have a. It, it doesn't seems to me that given given the way the region is is organized politically, um, there's no way to say to developers, well, you got to you got to kick money into the. You have to you have to also help pay for the water. And yes, they have water servicing agreements and so on, but before before a municipality starts approving, you know, thirteen thirteen thousand new homes somewhere mm-hmm. they need to think about whether the water whether there's going to be water to supply to them yeah and whether there's going to be sewage because that's the other big one yeah which no, we haven't really talked about very much either we'll save that for another segment but you're absolutely right i recall years ago when they first started talking about sprinkler regulations and former vancouver sun columnist pete mcmartin was just shocked that i remember some called him about in a rainforest water conversation conservation are you are you for real and here we are uh, talking about water supply and, and conservation and further conservation as well. And just for a, a quick plug for you, you've got another column coming out as well on the issue of water. I uh, do. I do. I'm writing it today. I'm not sure when it will run, but oh. I'm writing it today. But Because, you know, the, 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 the real thing is here that this is climate change, and we've known about it and known about it and known about it, but nobody wanted to, nobody wants to pay the money. Yeah. We're paying for it now, that's for sure. Thank you so much, Daphne. Appreciate your time. My pleasure, Jazz.